On this edition of the Scott Radley Show podcast, it is time for the brightest conversation in Hamilton podcasting. Ron Foxcroft, legendary Hamilton businessman, philanthropist, mover and shaker, lots of other things, referee. He joins me. Lots to talk about. Stick around. Today on the Scott Radley Show on 900 CHML. Uh, I don't know if that is my guest tonight's theme song when he walks into a room. You know, with the, when the president comes in, they play Hail to the Chief. That's what they should play when Ron Foxcroft, notable, legendary Hamilton businessman, philanthropist, mover and shaker, all other words you want to apply to him. What does the Fox say, Ron, I think should be what they play every time you come into a room? You know, it's funny you said that, Scott, because um, I was at Pebble Beach one day with an esteemed counselor from Hamilton, and uh, we got on the first tee, and they accidentally, I know it had nothing to do with us, they played that song. They played that (laughs) song. And, and of course, you know, I turned to the esteemed counselor and said, see, um, we're famous even in Pebble Beach. Well, I, I don't doubt that it really was because they knew you were there. I'm just surprised yeah. that it, that song should have more whistles in it, quite honestly. Well, they should. You know, there's a, there's some sports that should have some more whistles. Baseball, baseball should have whistles. You know, Caleb played um, Little League Baseball, and I've been My telling son, him yep, ever yep. since that they should have uh, whistles in baseball, whistles in tennis, and whistles in any sport where they don't have whistles. Well, they have whistling. I mean, in the crowd in tennis matches, if they don't like something, a lot of places in Europe, they will whistle. But it's a, I, I get your point. Not exactly Fox 40 whistles that are being blown. Yeah, just Exactly. Actually, in Europe, you made a very good point. They whistle rather than boo. And in North America, they boo. You, you know, you. I think you missed an opportunity, though, a few years ago when the World Cup of Soccer was in South Africa because they didn't have whistles in the stands. You couldn't do that. But if you had created some vuvuzelas, you, I mean, you could have been retired by now. Oh, I know. No, no, Scott. I, I'm planning my retirement. I'm, I'm uh, going to retire in 25 years. I'm I actually planning it <laughs> right now. I, I'm actually uh, I, I'm getting very excited about the thought of retiring in 25 years. Uh, before that uh, retirement, the thought of it uh, kind of makes me feel a little bit crazy. But uh, you mentioned the World Cup. Uh, yes, that's right. The Fox 40 is used by FIFA, is used in the World Cup, and is used everywhere around the world and made in Hamilton, a whistle capital of the world, Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Whistle capital of the world. Yeah, you know what? That, we did miss an opportunity. When we went all crazy with the waterfalls and put up the waterfall signs and everything else, why did we not have whistle ca- You should be running tours of Fox 40's world headquarters and... I don't know. Are there tours when there's not COVID? Are there tours? Uh, uh, when there's not tours, when there's not COVID, absolutely. Uh, we, we have um, students, uh, namely uh, public school students, and they're fascinated, and they actually get to assemble their own Fox 40 whistle, and they really, really love it. And once the pandemic is over, we want to uh, resume tours of Fox 40 where students can actually see the whistle being made and shipped and they can make their own whistle and take it away and cool. put it cool. on their school bag as a symbol of safety. We got a lot of things I want to get to today, uh, some serious, some less so, but just before we do that, I do want to ask you one quick question that has nothing to do with anything. Earlier today, uh, during COVID and all the time now, I live and work in my basement. Basically, I'm here all day long, either writing for the paper or doing the show where I'm sitting right now. 
Yeah. And there's no there's nobody around me. I'm 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 alone down here. And earlier today I sneezed. It happens to everybody. And as I sneezed, I caught myself saying, "Excuse me." And I realized, is this just a Canadian thing that we are so well trained now that we apologize to ourselves for things like this? Because I, 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 as soon as I did it, I went, "What am I doing? Why am I why am I asking for politeness from myself?" You know, we are polite. That's a trademark. And and actually, Scott, you know, um, we trade in 140 countries. And everywhere we go, um, you kind of pound your chest in pride. Everywhere we go, uh, people love Canadians. Uh, You know, Canadians are are polite. And Canadians, uh, exactly what you just said. You said, excuse me, to yourself. That's a pretty good trademark, Scott. There's nothing wrong with that. I I know we work one of the largest trade shows in the world. And quite often people will come to our booth not knowing where we're from. Uh, They know the Fox 40 trademark, but they don't know where we're from. And, And they'll say, are you Canadian? And and it's really amazing. And we, of course, proudly say we're we're Canadian. And invariably, Scott, they say that's terrific. We love Canadians. Canadians have some great attributes. And you know what? Sometimes we don't appreciate it until we leave Canada, uh, travel, do business yeah, internationally, and and find out how people really feel about Canadians. And and I have never been so proud as during the pandemic. I think as a country, as a whole, we've done a pretty good job managing the uh, pandemic. Because remember, Scott, there's never been a playbook in our lifetime, you and I, True enough. for a pandemic that we're living through right now. Both uh, absolutely. Living and in business. We're going to get into a whole bunch of that stuff. And by the way, what Ron didn't say was they all knew at the trade show that his company was Canadian because over top of it was a giant banner that just said, sorry. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Join this evening by Ron Foxcroft. You know the name. Certainly, you know what he does. Whistles, trucking. We're going to get into a bunch of the business side of things. Some business stories, some business lessons next hour. But he also was involved as a volunteer, I think it was volunteer, but he was for a number of years, the honorary colonel of the Argyles. And it just happens that six years ago, yesterday, yesterday was the anniversary of the day that Nathan Cirillo was gunned down in Ottawa. Obviously, I think everybody knows that story. And our guy, remember 24 year old member of the Argyles from Hamilton, who it became a huge national story about terrorism and violence and everything else. And uh, Ron, I, I don't think I have to ask you, uh, or it would be a waste of my questioning to say, do you remember that day? I know you remember that day, but what what do you remember about that day? Um, I I do remember it, Scott. And, and in fact, yesterday was a, a very serious, sobering day for myself because uh, it was the uh, sixth anniversary of uh, the tragic event and um i re- i i do remember it uh, vividly because um i was the uh, honorary colonel of um perhaps uh one of the proudest regiments in all of canada the Ar- the argyle uh, and sutherland highlanders of canada very very proud history a proud regiment and proudly from hamilton and what i do remember scott was um i received 
the phone call from uh, Chief Glenn DeCare. Where uh, were you when you got the call? I was in the office uh, preparing, actually, to give a speech to a uh, group of young entrepreneurs um, early that evening, and I was just um, just preparing and uh, thinking about uh, what I was going to uh, say. I love talking to young business people, young entrepreneurs, and I was extremely excited about uh, being being uh, invited to uh, speak to these entrepreneurs. And I got the phone call from Chief uh, Glenn uh, DeCare, who was the chief at the time, and who is now um, the honorary uh, lieutenant colonel of the Argyle Regiment. And of course, Glenn Gibson, Colonel Glenn Gibson from the Tiger Cats, the vice chairman of the Tiger Cats, is the current honorary colonel. Anyway, I got the call. Quite frankly, um, didn't know what to do. Uh, didn't know who to call. Didn't know what to say. You know. Did, did you recognize Ron? Did you realize right away when he called what the full extent of the story was, or was it just that there was a member of the Argyles who'd been shot? Did you Did you have a full picture by the time you got the call? No. the The news was very sketchy. Uh, in fact, we, we at the time of the first call, Scott, we didn't even know a name. And it wasn't until maybe a half an hour later when um, I had the opportunity to talk to Colonel Rick Kennedy and Colonel Lawrence Hatfield. Colonel Hatfield was our amazing leader, our our CO, our our commanding officer. And uh, then he he told me, and then, uh, of course, um, all the plans started almost immediately, number one, uh, notifying the family. Uh, of course, we got to know the family. Uh, his Did you have to do that? Was that your task? It was one of our tasks, and there was about uh, the the Padre. And um, yes, I did. I, I wasn't the first person to notify. That wasn't my my uh, responsibility. But I was one of the early people to uh, speak with. Uh, Catherine, because Catherine and, of course, uh, his sisters and family and his young son at the time, Marcus, was at the time four years old. Yeah. So, of course, we we had to arrange, the regiment had to arrange to get uh, Catherine to Ottawa and arrange bringing the... Uh, the body back to Hamilton and we'll Ron, never Ron, let me jump that. in for a sec because you're not a, you're, you're a businessman you're a successful businessman but you're not a cop you're not someone who traditionally would have to go and have these meetings with someone whose family has just had a tragedy how do you how do you do that how do you have that conversation you know Scott I'm really glad you asked me that because yes I'm I'm not trained to do that and I'm not very good at doing that but I'll, I'll tell you who helped me get through this was uh, Chief Glenn DeCare, uh, Glenn Gibson, um, Bob Bratina, Mayor Bob Bratina, and his wife, Carol. When we came in with the cavalcade on the, on the uh, Friday night uh, to bring um, Nathan's remains to the funeral home down on King Street East in Hamilton, I kind of froze. I, 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 I wasn't qualified. I wasn't, you're right. I wasn't a police officer, I, not, not a medical person and so on. And 
I kind of didn't know what to do. And I'll tell you who chaperoned me and mentored me through handling through it and and the emotion was um, Mayor Bratina's wife, Carol. She Mm. was a brick. And um, she could tell that that I was struggling, that the whole regiment was struggling. You know, Scott, it, it happened on the night of training that the uh, the death uh, on the night of Argyle training. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Ron, you were saying that this was a this was a day that this happened that the Argyles were training. So everybody is down at the armories. Did did, did most of the Argyles that you knew of did they all know Nathan Cirillo? Or I mean, he was a young guy. Was he one of those people oh, yes. that some knew or? Scott, uh, I want to thank you for the opportunity right now to tribute uh, Nathan Cirillo because he was a bear of a man. He was a wonderful soldier. He was a wonderful Canadian. He was an amazing young man, and thank you for this opportunity. Now, if I could backtrack, the the murder occurred on a Wednesday, and as I said, I got the phone call from Chief DeCare telling me it had happened uh, late that morning. And I had a speech that night. I I went and did the speech at 5 o'clock to a group of entrepreneurs, and it was the most difficult speech I'd ever made in my life, knowing I wanted to get to the armories and be part of training at 7 o'clock that night because the troops were, were coming, and by then everybody knew what had happened. And, you know, we got to the armories, and uh, Colonel Kennedy was there, Colonel Hatfield was there, and they had decided that um, Corporal Nathan Cirillo should be tributed, and he he would have wanted the regiment to take part in training that Wednesday night. And you know what? The Argyles and the reserves are are very brave, and they're they're tremendous soldiers. They're tremendous Canadians, and they're ready for battle. And and um, the troops went through training as it was. It was difficult. It was emotionally difficult because everybody grieves a different way, Scott. But um, the we went through the training um, as it was a normal training session. Well, then when training ended, of course, we had a gathering and we had a a, a few um, uh, drinks and and cocktails and and so on. And as I said. Everybody, every human being has a different way of grieving, and everybody grieved. Um, but there was one thing we, we all knew and we all agreed. Nathan Cirillo would want us to um, finish the training and go on and do what peop- what soldiers are supposed to do, and that's train and be ready to uh, do service for the country. Well, Were then. You- Ron, were you part of the the procession that brought him back from Ottawa? I was. I, I so you was. so you drove along with the procession on the Highway of Heroes and into Hamilton oh, with the crowds. Oh yes, and I'll never forget that, Scott, because you know all the overpasses were covered with people, flooded with people, Canadian flags. It was uh, absolutely unbelievable, and I was with um, with Mayor Bratina, uh, Colonel Rick Kennedy, and. Um, uh, Chief DeCare, Chief DeCare escorted us. You know, he had the uh, the police vehicle. And, and Scott, I will never forget turning off the 403 onto Main Street because we had to go down Main Street all the way to the East End. And, um, Scott, they were 10 deep. 
they were 10 deep as we uh, processed down Main Street. I have never seen anything like it. And as we processed down Main Street, uh, they were 10 deep. And then many times uh, we, we stopped and people sang, Oh, Canada. And if you've ever felt more proud to be a Canadian, it was during that time when uh, people along Main Street, it was a cold night in October, you know, like now. Well, not like today, but it was a chilly night and everybody was 10 deep. Some people were crying, but everybody was out there, many people holding Canadian flags. And I'll tell you, um, what a feeling to be a Canadian. Well, then we got to the uh, funeral home and it was time for me to meet the most amazing family. And, And you know what, Scott, something that has come out of this, um, Corporal Nathan Cirillo tragedy has united Hamilton, united the Argyle Regiment. We became a stronger regiment because of Nathan Cirillo. I got to meet his family, and they were the most amazing family, the most wonderful family. And that now that was a very difficult situation. Catherine, his mother, Marcus, his son, his two sisters, and they were just... Amazing, and if you could imagine, Scott, this was a an enormous tragedy, enormous tragedy, and and they were so brave, and they were you know um, distraught, but brave to get through this, and that was a very tough night. It was a Friday night, and then of course I, I won't go into all the details. We had to plan what turned out to be the largest, I believe, Scott, the largest military uh, funeral in the history of Canada. And during that, of course, uh, the Senate was involved and the CO was involved and all the senior officers of the Argyle Regiment were involved. It was a very, very complicated process because also the government was involved, the Minister of National Defense and so on. This was a huge, huge undertaking and we could only allow so many people in the church well then i need to tell you on sunday night the whole security had to be ramped up because we got word that the prime minister was coming so when the prime minister is coming to a military funeral you can appreciate we've had to really ramp up the security and thank goodness and tribute to Chief DeCare. And, you know, we have the best police service in Canada. There's no doubt about it. The police under Chief DeCare and, and all the officers of the Hamilton Police Service took over. And, you know, and I, I knew before, but I, it was solidified. We have the best police service in all of Canada. And they helped us and the Argyle officers and Senate and senior officers and, and honoraries uh, uh, arranged the best, uh, the, the biggest military. It was funeral. unbelievable. It, absolutely memorable for everybody. Anyone who was in Hamilton at the time, I guarantee you remembers it. Uh, it, it sad that we have to remember it like this because of this kind of story, but certainly a, a shining moment for the city. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Ron, let's change uh, change direction a little bit here. We um, we have been absolutely bombarded with news nonstop since March, every day, all day about COVID. 
And one business owner has raised a question that I think an awful lot of people have also asked. Maybe they haven't been as public with the question, but it's the guy who owns the Ancaster Sports Center. They had a single case of COVID diagnosed or traced back to their facility the other day. And the city of Hamilton put out a a notification saying that someone there came up or came down with COVID. And what he is saying now is, why should my business be pointed out, be highlighted because one person came down with it here? Because now you're hurting my business. You're a businessman. Is this something, should we be naming every business and every place that someone comes down with a case of COVID or should we be picking and choosing those spots and say, if there's a huge outbreak, sure. But if it's one, let's, let's hold off. Uh, Scott, just allow me permission. I, I, I don't want to leave the Nathan Cirillo thing without saying two things. Number one, okay. our commanding officer, Lawrence Hatfield, he was a rock through the whole ceremonies. He was amazing. Catherine Cirillo, she united us as a regiment. And one thing I think your listeners would like to know, our colonel-in-chief is Queen Elizabeth, Her Majesty, Queen Elizabeth. And the day after the funeral, we got a letter, we got an email from Queen Elizabeth saying, I'm the colonel-in-chief, I'm a very proud colonel-in-chief of the Hamilton Argyle Regiment, and I want you, Colonel Kennedy, and the CO, Lawrence Hatfield, to come to my apartment at Buckingham Palace so I can express condolences to the Cirillo family in a proper manner. Scott, that brought international prominence to the Argyle Regiment in the city of Hamilton. I didn't want to miss telling your listeners that story. That's, and it's a good one to know about. It absolutely is. The idea yeah. of of naming every business that has a case of COVID that has popped up. I mean, I can understand the frustration that somebody might have when he says, now my business is being affected because now people are calling and worried about it. Is this, I mean, what, what's your view? Do, is this something where we should be naming every single one or do we pick our spots? I, you know what, Scott? I'm not going to give you a political answer. I'm going to give you the straight answer. If there's one case of COVID in a business, I really don't think the business should be named unless there was a, a, a rampant liability on the part of that business. Or if they had misbehaved in some way, if they hadn't um, followed protocol and so on. But I understand all the protocol has been uh, followed with, with this situation and there's one unpleasant um, occurrence, I really think, you know what, it's really, really hard. Take it from me. I'm an entrepreneur. It's really hard to run a business. It's really hard to operate a business. It's hard to own a business. It's It's hard to keep your head above water. And really and truly, you don't need any kicks in the groin with something like this. Now, if they had a violated the pro, uh, protocol, if there had been a rampant case, you know, rampant cases, and, and they had been negligent, absolutely, I think we as public have deserved the right to hear, uh, to keep things transparent. But I understand, Scott, in this particular situation, they had followed protocol to a T. They had done everything the way they were asked to do. It sounds like they it. had yeah. not violated in any way. And you know what? To bring attention in this negative way to a business 
makes it already tough to run a business, and now it makes it more difficult. And you know what, Scott? It's going to take a lot to recover. Like the damage now has been done. And you know what happens when something is is wrong in in the newspaper? Um, you know, 100% of the people read the wrong report. Uh, 10% of the people, from what they tell me, read the retraction. So it's gonna it's going to be very hard for this business to now uh, overcome, recover, and get over this. And and yes, Scott, I'm being non-political. It's unfair to, I would have to say, target this business because of one case. I would yeah, feel and it's, and it's not the only one. And it's not the only one. Like we've, they've been consistent by naming pretty much everywhere where there is a single case. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. This one, uh, this one caught my eye and, and Ron just uh, sort of laid it down last segment. Uh, the question is, the Ancaster Soccer or Ancaster Sports Center was highlighted this week. And it's not the only one. It's happened with a lot of other facilities, a lot of other businesses. There was a case of COVID and they were mentioned. And this, the owner now says, look, we were doing things right. And now you're harming our business by throwing our name out there for one case. And and just before the break, Ron made it pretty clear. He agreed. Uh, Ron, I, I would also agree. And, and you know, it, we don't do this if there was a case of the flu and we don't do this if someone fell and broke an arm and we don't do this with anything else. And, you know, I understand what COVID is. I get it. I'm not trying to diminish it, but boy, it seems like we've allowed this in some ways like this to become out of control. It, not in every way, but in these kind of ways, it's out of control. Scott, let, uh, allow me to step across to the other side of the table and, and look at it from the other side. Number one, you and I aren't running the emergency response center in the city of Hamilton. It's probably the best, most efficient emergency response center in the Dominion of Canada run by Paul Johnson, Dr. Elizabeth Richardson, and Mayor Eisenberg. And what you and I don't know, and you know what I said in the first uh, segment, what you and I don't know Maybe there's a law, maybe there's a bylaw, maybe there's a rule where they have to notify the public in a transparent manner if there's been a COVID outbreak in a company. If that's and if there the is, case, and if there is, and that's fine, and I'm not, I'm not casting blame on who named it. I'm just, it's the idea of naming them yeah. where if they are following a law, I, I'm not, I say, it, I'm not blaming whomever. I'm simply saying it seems like an overreaction. I'm with you. If there is an outbreak where there is, and I guess we, it depends on what the definition of outbreak is, because now we hear outbreak and outbreak, I guess, is one person potentially. But I'm thinking yeah. if there's two or three or five or 10, like at Spinco, what we, we've been hearing about, that's a, you know, different story. One seems to me to be, you know, let, let's, or, let's or wait. Or, Scott, if, if there's been a flagrant violation of sure, uh, protocol. Sure. But, but here's the other thing, Scott, that we need to show a lot of respect for the Emergency Response Center. Oh, 100%. They, they don't make the rules. They enforce the rules. And if they, if the rule book says that they have to notify and be transparent to the general public if there's been one outbreak in a business in the city of Hamilton, then so be it. You know, we can't criticize the referee. We can't criticize. Fair enough. Uh, the, you know what I mean, Scott? I, so I do, you, but, 
but Ron, if if one if if and I mean, heaven forbid, I'm touching wood and crossing my fingers right now. But let's say yep. there was one person who came down with it at the Fox 40 headquarters while making whistles, yep. and now all of a sudden everybody is scared about picking up a packaging or touching your because you know who knows what COVID might be able to live. Like it to me, it's unfair to the people whoever makes the rules. It's unfair. It's overkill. Uh, yeah, I I thought of that, Scott. If that happened at at Fox 40, um, people wouldn't want to come in. Couriers wouldn't want to come in, but worse than that, fellow employees wouldn't want to come in. Your teammates wouldn't want to come in. So, you know, it's a, it's a very serious rule. All I'm saying is the Emergency Response Center, they enforce the rules. They don't make the rules. So you and I have a responsibility to learn if there is a rule or a bylaw. If there is a rule and a bylaw, maybe we should talk to the people that make the rules. Uh, and and I'm I'm all for that. I whoever wherever this rule is coming from, to I me it's overkill. It's coming, I would think it's coming from the feds or the province, but I'm and that I could be. Know. Yeah, and that could be. Yeah. And and you know, and it, it it just see it seems too much. It seems we are we are so uh, as I say almost over responding to every little blip. We're we're just jumping anytime anything, and and we should be jumping at some things, no question. But I, I don't know about everything. I've been non-political and highly critical of this situation, but, you know, I lived that life, Scott. I was a referee for 35 years, and I had to enforce some rules that I thought were pretty lousy. So, you know, don't shoot the messenger. <laughs> you know what yep. I mean? I didn't make the rules. I just tried to enforce the rules the way they're written. So, uh, number one, uh, you know, I, I just want to say too bad that, that this has happened. Too bad there's been damage done to this wonderful business in Ancaster that I understand we're following all the rules and I hope that they can recover. But also too, I want to pay tribute to the emergency response center for the city of Hamilton, because it's the best one as far as I'm concerned in the, in the whole country. You know what I'd love to see? And, and, and I, I echo your, your point for sure on that last point. Uh, what I'd love to see is, and I know that this thing has happened quickly, but we're now seven months, eight months into it, uh, I would love to see, and maybe it exists, but rather than announcing every single case somehow, a website where you can go and look up and see where the businesses are. And then if there are big cases, that gets announced publicly, but otherwise you can go and look and see. If you want to go to the gym, oh, has there been a case there? No, there hasn't. It it gives the owner a a, a chance. It gives the owner a fighting chance to me better than this way. you're, You're not just another pretty face. That's a very common sense solution that makes a lot of sense. Sometimes, though, in big rules that are made by big government, common sense isn't all that common. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Ron, I should uh, offer some congratulations because I understand that this week, Fluke Transport turned 100 years old. Congratulations. Absolutely, Scott, and and um, how old were you when you started it? (laughs) Allow me to uh, allow me to brag. I'm not a hundred years old, although uh, some some people uh, that I have refereed for think I I look older than a hundred years old, or have the eyesight of a hundred year old. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know what? My eyesight did fail me in my latter years of officiating, but I could smell the out-of-bounds when the ball went out-of-bounds. So I, I think I got most of the out-of-bounds play correct. But, uh, Scott, uh, allow me to brag about my team at at uh, Fluke Transport. 
our team at Fluke Transport is is somewhat like a football team, Scott. You need a head coach, you need an assistant coach, and you need a great quarterback, and you need a lot of smart people doing a lot of smart things all the time because it's very complicated. And we have a tremendous head coach in Kevin Hagan, assistant coach in Steve Foxcroft, and we have a quarterback on the Procter & Gamble. Procter & Gamble, not a shabby company, uh, international fame, Procter & Gamble. We have a quarterback that manages our Procter & Gamble account, a young lady named uh, Amber Todd. And and as a result of having a good quarterback, and a, a good coach, a good assistant coach, and a quarterback like Amber Todd, this week we got notified that we were the carrier of the year wow. for... Proctor and Gamble in a year when some people would like to rewind uh, number two, 2020, but we uh, we turned a hundred in Hamilton, in Hamilton, with only two owners, the Fluke family, who entrusted us with the privilege of carrying on with the Fluke Transport name, and and the Foxcroft family, and of course my wife was involved from the very beginning. I think well, let me jump in here. Me. Let me let me jump into this spot yeah. because a, a lot of people don't know, and, and we've got someone on here, as I say, who is one of the more successful business people in this city. And I thought, you know what? Why would we miss the opportunity to have a few minute long MBA session here? Um, oh. You, uh, you, was the fluke company, because I understand that when you first got it, you certainly back in those days were not necessarily flush with cash. Was the company in trouble did you take it on because it was in trouble or, or what was the state of fluke when you took it yeah they wanted to retire there were a lot of challenging uh, we were in a recession during that time it was around 1983 uh they had advanced in their years and there were a lot of challenges in the well there's always a lot of challenges in the trucking business but yes they were having some problems and they needed some uh New blood, young blood, new ideas. Uh, you know what they needed? They needed some energy and they needed some innovation and so on because they had taken the company for approximately 60 years and done a very good job, but things had become very difficult in the trucking business. So we, we seized an opportunity. We bought a company that had a half a dozen trucks and a dozen trailers and um, took it over and but you no, didn't have a we, lot of money at this time, right? I was three months behind on my rented car, and I was <laughs> refereeing basketball in the NCAA to put groceries on the table, and I, I would go and referee in the United States and carry dimes in my pocket. So when I got to the airport, I would call the office, call Marie at the office, my wife, who was kind of taking care, who was taking care of the company while I was refereeing, trying to earn money to... Um, pay for groceries and get this company off the ground. And when I arrived at the game, I would pull out a dime. There were no cell phones, no emails. And, and I would call Marie, I'd get to the arena, call Marie. And, and we, we, yeah, it was, it was a challenge, but also it was a, it was a journey. It was exciting. And, um, because exciting, is exciting the word you would have used back then or terrifying? Uh, terrifying. I was scared out of my mind, but you know what, Scott, I learned one thing. Hire smarter people than you. Uh, create an environment for them to succeed and empower them. Empower them to make decisions that satisfy the demands of the customers. And that's kind of been our theme 
since we've owned fluke transport. Hire smart people. Let them do their job. Let smart people do their job. And, you know, being named Carrier of the Year by Procter & Gamble is not shabby. And, and you know, I want to brag a little bit about Kevin Hagan and Steve Foxcroft and our quarterback, Amber Todd. You know, without them doing a great job and, and us empowering them and them doing smart things, it's just like a football team. We see the quarterback throw a 50-yard pass to the receiver, but you got uh, – 10 other players on the offensive side of the ball doing smart things for smart people. But Ron, so many companies, and and I suppose this is what separates good ones from bad ones, I suppose, but so many bosses, so many owners, they seem terrified to hire people who would be smarter than them. They want to be the smartest person in the room. Yeah, you know what, Scott? Um, you know, I learned, I, I did every job in the company. I dispatched, I dispatched poorly. I did the rating poorly. I did the billing on my Underwood typewriter very poorly. I did sales very poorly. So I I learned hire people and uh, hire smart people. Surround yourself with smart people. But you've got to create the environment for them to succeed, and you've also got to empower them. And we've done that at Fluke. And also, too, Scott, if I could brag a little bit about the team, uh, we were named Carrier of the Year by Coca-Cola. So this has been fantastic. Uh, Carrier of the Year for Coca-Cola, Carrier of the Year for Procter & Gamble, and we received elite platinum status from our insurance company. And this is really important for our our safety and compliance uh, um, results. So you know what? In trucking, safety and compliance is paramount. So, but how do you get Ron from, how do you get from being behind on your rented car with six trucks and no money to here? What, what is, I mean, yes, you hire smart people. I, I for sure get that tip, but someone's listening and they're scrambling. What's the, what do you do to try and make that work? Answer your phone on Friday afternoon uh, of, of a holiday weekend. And <laughs> let me take 30 seconds and explain that. How we got the Procter & Gamble account, they called me on Friday afternoon at 5 o'clock of a holiday weekend and said, we need 25 trailers and six tractors. And I said, yes, sir. I had no idea how we were going to get 25 trailers and six tractors. But my mentors had always told me, if you answer your phone on a Friday afternoon, no doubt the competition has already gone home and you'll get a jump on the competition. So... Being there, uh, communication is important. I found that out. And listening to your employees, listening to your customers, uh, remembering you've got two ears and one mouth to use proportionately. And it takes a lot of things. Trucking is very, very difficult. It's very, very difficult. And, you know, to answer your question, there's really no one answer to that question. It takes a lot of things going right, learning from your mistakes. And yes, uh, paramount is hiring smart people and letting smart people do their job like the Amber Todd's of the world. Ron, every business, no matter what business it is, has things in it that can go wrong, that can derail whatever that business is. There's always going to be mistakes. There's always going to be things. I would think in trucking, a serious accident or something like that would be the thing that you would live in fear of. Uh, have you ever had one of those? Uh, we've had uh, we've had two or three. Uh, we've had uh, 
drivers killed on black ice, and uh, we've we've had some uh, very very unfortunate things. And you're right, Scott. In trucking, there's so many things that can go wrong. A simple things like the weather, simple things like technology can go down. A uh, gridlock, highway. Uh, uh, poor drivers that you run uh, up against uh, on the highway. There's so many good things. But, Scott, at Fluke, our team have done a lot of good things. And you know what? There's no substitute for experience. You know, at Fluke Transport, people tell me it feels like you're in a family. And and you know what? Families back each other. And and at Fluke, we've got a lot of people that have been in the business a lot of time, a long time, that have seen a lot of challenging situations, and they know how to do it. We're flexible, we're nimble, and we can turn on a dime. I'm very proud of of Fluke Transport. You know, a hundred years. Hundred years is a long time. Now, but but to your point family will back each other. There's no question about that, but you're not just having to deal as a businessman with family or with your employees. You still have to work with people outside that group. So when something does go wrong, yep. how do you deal with that? How do you convince them to stick with you when something has gone horribly wrong? We're old fashioned, Scott. Communication. Communication. You know, I just got a thank you letter from somebody, from a business and and we had done a a pretty good job for this business. And this business took the time to hand write a thank you letter. That gives me a heartthrob. That's really important. And you know what? We go back to those family values at Fluke Transport. If we mess up, we call the customer. We have a communication. We we don't give an excuse. We give an explanation. And we never say yes, but, and we never say we can't. We give the truth. We give an explanation. And you know what, Scott? You know, this sounds like a, a lecture to a uh, a business school. Well, that's what I asked for. That's what I asked yeah, for. <laughs> yeah. Well, Scott, you know what? In in a way, in, in today's society, we're getting away from the truth. We're getting away from people communication skills like you know what we've got all this technology and it's wonderful and we've got email and we've got instagram and we've got twitter but you know what there's nothing that is a substitute for looking somebody in the eyeballs and saying you know what we messed up this is the explanation why we messed up and this is the exclamation uh how we're going to fix it and you know what for a hundred years, that hasn't changed at Fluke Transport. No, we but it's cherish. going to become more difficult, Ron. It's going to become, and I'm not saying for Fluke, I'm saying for any company, because I, I have to believe we've got a generation now that has come up, and this is not an insult, this is not a diss, but they've come up very, it, their life has been the online texting and and social media and everything else. The, that face-to-face has not been necessarily as much a part of their existence as previous generations. It's going to be, I would think, harder to find people who can do that. There's no question. And Scott, I have a lot of respect for the people that understand e-commerce because e-commerce is exploding. And I see a great opportunity 
at Fluke Transport at Hamilton, uh, John C. Monroe Hamilton International Airport with with the advent of uh, e-commerce. And we have a, a lot of these people coming into the transportation and logistics industry that have a lot of expertise in technology and e-commerce. And you know what? We run our company with uh, e-commerce and dispatch and technology and so on and so on. But I think we as successful business people have to rewind a little bit and say, how did we get here? Well, how we got here was being transparent, being honest, and having superior people communication skills. And I can tell you honestly that our success with Procter & Gamble, with Coca-Cola, with our insurance company has been the rewind to have proper people communication skills, honesty, transparency, and a plan when you screw up, a plan to recover. Are people surprised when you call them when or talk to them in person when something goes wrong as opposed to a, a lackey or someone well down the pecking order? Oh, yeah, they're really surprised. You know, Scott, when we put the slogan, if it's on time, it's a fluke on the back of our trailers, I called 40 customers and said, what do you think of our slogan? And 95% said we love it. 5% said we don't love it. 100% said, but we never forget it. I called personally 40 customers because before we put our trademark on if it's on time, it's a fluke and put it on the back of 450 trailers, I wanted our customers, the most important people, our team is very important, our customers are very important, and I want everybody happy, the team, the customers, and that starts with proper people, communication skills, transparency, and integrity and honesty. It's a great story. It's uh, 100 years, and that's only one of Ron's businesses. And, and, you know, people who are listening who are thinking, well, wait a second, uh, why do I care about that? Because I don't need trucking. It's not the point about the trucking. It's uh, it's a point about just how to do business. And if you know Ron's background and where Ron has been successful and you have your own business, I would have thought you would have been listening because it's uh, good advice. Uh, Ron, Scott, sadly. We, we go in ahead. trucking deliver everything except babies. Well, wait, wait, maybe once upon a time, maybe at one point you will, maybe there'll be one on the side of the road. You never know. And remember, uh, trucks are beautiful, Scott. Trucks are, well, they're beautiful as long as they're not right on your tail on the highway in a blizzard. Yes. Otherwise they are beautiful. Ron Foxcroft, really appreciate the time today. We wish we, I wish we had a lot more of it, but uh, thanks for taking a few minutes today. Really appreciate you joining us. My pleasure, Scott, always. That is Ron Foxcroft, the owner, operator, president, chief, grand poobah, whatever else of Fox 40 Whistles, of Fluke Transport. He's involved with Hamilton Airport. He is involved with all kinds of different things, former NCAA basketball referee, on and on and on. Um, as I say, you know, you don't, we don't, we often just talk current events on the show and that's fine. You don't often talk to someone who has got the track record and you say, so how do you do it? Well, there you go. I mean, that's certainly a uh, a concise, whittled down version. I think we did about 13 minutes, but, um, you know, hard to do a full MBA in 13 minutes. But there's not too many people that are going to be better at telling you some tips on how to make business work. And not even just business, quite honestly, just, you know, doing whatever it is you do, making it work. Ron, Ron's got some ideas and they've been proven to work. So there you go. The Scott Radley Show. Weekday evenings from 6 to 8 on 900 CHML.
The Scott Radley Show podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Radley. Thanks again for listening, and do not forget to subscribe to this podcast. It is free. You will never miss an episode. And also, be sure you rate us and review us. Whatever you think of us, we'll take it. Thanks for listening.